Hey, how's it going, Lakeland? Welcome back to a view from Lakeland City Hall. This is City Commissioner Chad McLeod. It's great to be back on the podcast. I have a couple of topics that I'm covering today. I had planned for this episode to be an interview with Catherine Lacey from Lakeland Electric. Catherine's the communications manager uh, for Lakeland Electric. She's been a little busy the past week. And so I'm pushing that interview to the next episode. I hope to sit down with her next week and have that interview out shortly. There are a lot of topics not just storm-related, but many topics that we discuss every month that are related to Lakeland Electric. So I want to go through some of those with Catherine. The fuel rates, those have been a a hot topic lately. Uh, I have done several interviews with Telemundo, so I speak Spanish, and every time I see our local reporter, John Sarmiento, his name pop up on my phone, I know that he's calling about something, a a story he's working on, and several of them recently have been related to Lakeland Electric and the increased fuel rates. And so I I thought it would be timely and insightful to have somebody from the utility come on and just walk through these topics and share some information and things that maybe we don't know and, and would be helpful. So stay tuned for that. I know that we'll talk a lot about storm efforts as well. And, and we certainly are fortunate where we sit right now as a city and as a community. When you look at what has happened in Southwest Florida. I used to live in Fort Myers for a brief stint when I was working for U.S. Senator Mel Martinez. I represented the senator in nine counties in Southwest Florida, and I was based in, I lived in Fort Myers, and uh, just uh, remember that time there. And I haven't been back uh, to the area where I lived and worked in in a long time, but when I see the images of Sanibel and Fort Myers Beach and, and what people are dealing with in the aftermath, and it's heavy, we certainly feel for our, our fellow Floridians down there and what they're going through and, and praying for that recovery over the next months and, and into next year. And so as we were preparing as a city for the storm, and you know there was a, a time where we weren't sure of the path and we thought maybe it was coming directly through Polk County and then it shifted. And, and we really, as, as we were looking at the state of the city after the storm, we fared very well. Yes, we had... 60,000 plus homes without power. Lakeland Electric and the mutual aid crews from other states that came into the community over the past few days, I think have done an outstanding job as of yesterday. So this is Wednesday, October 5th, when I'm recording this. And as of Tuesday evening, all of the homes, I believe, that lost power due to the storm had been restored. And so it was a huge effort linemen and crews working 16-hour days just going from neighborhood to neighborhood and sometimes dealing with some complex rebuilding and restoration. It was more than just putting a line back that had been knocked down. And so it really, uh, you know, our our hats are off to the linemen, uh, the crews uh, at Lakeland Electric. And then as we said at the meeting on Monday, our commission meeting, we had many city staff, our public works team, riding around the city to assess damage, public safety, fire department, police department, um, had critical roles during the time when the storm uh, was at its peak for us. And and then in the aftermath, we had our emergency operations center that was set up at Lakeland Electric. And it was interesting to hear our city manager describe how, how much we have learned and progressed since Irma, that during Irma, the city team had a basically a pegboard and they would put different pegs on parts of the city in a map where there were outages and issues. And, and now we, we have advanced. We 
uh, purchased a software called Web EOC that allows us to see in real time issues in the city and communicate those across departments. And so I think we've seen a lot of efficiencies, a lot of improvements as an organization in how we respond to these natural disasters. And hopefully we don't deal with this again for, for a long time, but we know being in Florida, we have to be ready for that. And, and I sense just there was uh, amongst our city team, you could tell there was experience in this area that we had learned many lessons from Irma. I'll be curious to see kind of an after action report that I know the city management will, will do looking at Ian and what lessons we learned since Irma and then where are some areas where we can still improve going forward because there always are places as an organization, as a local government. Uh, I think just the speed with which we got people's power back uh, has been impressive and, and the dedication, the hustle that has been coming out of the Lakeland Electric team love seeing that. Just just great work. Debris collection. Now, so we talked about that at our meeting on Monday. That is the next big thing that the city is addressing is picking up debris. Most of it's yard limbs and uh, trees and things that have been cut down. There may be some other types of construction debris or fences that fell, and, and that will be picked up as well. But it looks like we are... So we have contracts in place with companies that provide debris collection and and do hauling. And I think at first there was a, a question of, can we handle this internally with our own waste and recycling division, the trucks that we have, the equipment that we have, as our crews have gone throughout the city and ridden around. And uh, the decision as of Monday was to activate those contracts, get the haulers and outside uh, companies here in town to assist with collection. And so we're hoping by the end of this week, Thursday, Friday, that those crews are out and picking up debris. And so right now it's, I think we're just asking people just for patience over the next few days and weeks as you know the effort is underway to get all of this collected. Uh, we will eventually get to every neighborhood, but but it will take some time. And so we, we want to see this done efficiently, but we also know there's just a lot. If you ride around streets, you it's hard to find a place where you don't see tree limbs stacked up in, in front of people's yards. And so in the overall scheme of things, if all we're dealing with is debris collection and we had a stretch four days max for most people being without power we're in great shape and many reasons to be thankful on this side of the storm. So again, stay tuned for the next episode because Catherine, she'll sit down with me and we'll talk about all things Lakeland Electric. If you have any questions or anything you'd like me to, to discuss on that episode, let me know, chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net. We had a commission meeting on Monday and we usually begin our meetings with a presentation from a different department within the city. You've heard me talk about that many times on this podcast. Monday's presentation was by Fire Chief Doug Riley, who gave an update on the fire department and just their different initiatives and the, the number of calls. And uh, it really paints a picture, I think, of how busy they are, how many calls they get, and the number of calls that are medical in nature. So responding to actual fires, it's a much smaller percentage. I think it's 80%, somewhere around there, uh, of calls that are for medical services. And so you many times you'll have, you'll see a fire truck go into a call. And I remember he talked about this when I had him on as a guest that people often ask, why does a fire engine, fire you know, truck with a ladder and bucket show up when there's a call for medical service? And it's the personnel 
on that truck. It's the expertise, the the people who are trained uh, as EMTs. It's not that they necessarily need the fire truck, but they may be assigned to that truck or they were on another call, and so they're going to that call for medical service. And so just our, our men and women at the fire department do an awesome job. And uh, he talked about you know, the new station that we will be building in North Lakeland. We don't have a site nailed down yet, but that is funded in our fiscal year 23 budget. I'll talk about that in a second. But so Chief Riley went through the different stations and the number of calls and station three, which is handling much of North Lakeland right now, that's off of uh, US 98, is really stretched in terms of uh, the call volume that they are handling. So there is a need as Lakeland is growing for a new station in North Lakeland. The only really group of constituents we had at the budget meeting, both budget meetings, in September, it was a neighborhood from North Lakeland uh, of residents who wanted to make sure that we, number one, heard their desire to have a, a fire station funded and that we were committed to that. And and so that is in the works and more information will be coming on that in in the future. After the fire department presentation on Monday, the rest of the meeting was pretty standard in terms of the items that we typically walk through and, and the types of issues that, that we were voting on. Mayor Mutz was out of town, so Mayor Pro Tem Sarah McCarley was chairing the meeting, and she did a great job. It, it's an interesting role. I've only done it once, but when you, you have a new appreciation for the role of mayor, when you sit in that lead role to facilitate the meeting, to make sure that you are following the rules of, is this a voice vote, or is it a roll call vote, and allowing for public comment, and just a lot in the format and flow of the meeting that you have to manage while thinking about the, the different issues at hand. We ratified a state of emergency. So under our city code, we are allowed to declare a state of emergency if there's a natural disaster. Uh, in the case of Hurricane Ian, the mayor, in the absence of the mayor, it can be the mayor pro tem. In the absence of the mayor pro tem, it can be the city manager can declare a state of emergency it has to be ratified by the city commission. I think it's within five days. And so we were in that window. We ratified the state of emergency and extended it for seven days. And that is the the interval that we're required. We have to do it every seven days. Uh, right now, looking at the debris collection and just some of the efforts that well, as of Monday, there were still power restoration efforts going on. We felt it was it made sense to just extend that for seven days and then and then see from there. We did talk a little bit about, at the end of the meeting, the, the process for the selection of the interim city commissioner that will temporarily hold Commissioner Walker's seat from November through next November. And we have eight candidates, I believe, who have applied for that position, and we will hear from them on Monday. We have submitted 16 questions. Some of the questions are essentially the same, but each commissioner submitted questions topics and uh, items for discussion that we would love to hear from from these candidates. And we have decided to give each candidate 15 minutes just to come in and go through the questions as they see fit and introduce themselves and provide us with more information. This is the first time that we have made a selection since the uh, voters approved the change to the charter that eliminates special elections in cases like this. You know, I think you've seen us working through this, maybe struggling through the process. Commissioner Madden has talked about feeling attention in trying to appoint a commissioner to a seat that is elected. It is the, the 
choice of the voters, and ultimately it, it will be, and this is a, it's a short-term appointment, but uh, stay tuned on that. You will see some coverage of the different candidates and their interviews, and I, I applaud everyone for putting their name in for consideration and just going through this process and being willing to serve. It is a, it's short-term. Uh, you certainly would think that some of those candidates are going to run for that seat when it's up for election November 2023. Uh, but we will, on Monday, October 10th at 8 a.m., is when that interview, and I say interview, we have decided as a commission not to ask questions, not to follow up on the things that they mentioned, because we don't want to get into a discussion with one candidate that we don't have with another, and potentially uh, I could give someone an advantage or even be perceived as uh, uh, unfair. And so we want to try and, and keep it level and just allow everyone to have the same questions in advance the same time frame. And then at our meeting on October 17th, we will make that appointment. And so that will be interesting. It, I think to if you're going to tune in and you're curious about you know, the process about local government and representation in a unique situation of appointing someone to fill a temporary seat uh, when you have an outgoing commissioner uh, who has been in office for a long time, and we're going to miss Commissioner Walker. I will tell you, I uh, it's been a privilege to serve alongside him and his knowledge of what has been done in the past, previous votes, previous policy decisions, his knowledge of the city and uh, his experience growing up in Lakeland and the progress that he has seen in our city uh, in terms of race relations and what it was like for him growing up as a an African-American child in the area that he did. And now to talk about our city, it, it, I really, I just, I could spend a lot of time talking about that uh, experience of serving with him and being part of the commission that he has, he has played such a strong role in over the years. And I've said for a while that whenever Philip Walker leaves the commission, it will be a loss for the city. It's always an opportunity for someone else to come in and, and have uh, maybe new ideas and just a, a little different perspective anytime you have a change in a seat. But definitely, we will, we will miss him. So more to come on, on that appointment. I want to talk a little bit about the budget approval process. So we approved the fiscal year 2023 budget uh, at the end of September. We are now in that fiscal year. It starts October 1st. And we had a long meeting, the first budget hearing at the beginning of September, and I talked about this. I recorded the last episode right before that budget hearing, and it ended up, it was a long one. It was, I don't know, two and a half hours, uh, give or take. We spent a lot of time talking about what to do with the millage rate. Should we hold it at the same rate that it was in fiscal year 2022, or should we adopt the rate that we had advertised, which was slightly higher? And I had mentioned in this podcast my thoughts on that and my desire to be able to hold the, the line on the millage rate. And, and that was, in the end, what we decided to do. And, and I made a comment in our discussion that a lot of these issues, you're in gray area. You know, there are arguments on both sides. And in the budget, it's a $730 million budget. There's a lot that's going on. And as part of the budget, a big part of it uh, included funding additional police officer positions, firefighter positions, and the new fire station in North Lakeland that I mentioned earlier. And so you look at those costs of adding new personnel, 13 new police officers this year, maybe more in the future. We will see as that is, you know, we get into future years, but I think we expect that, that there will be a need for new positions. 
12 new firefighter positions and and the capital cost for uh, a new fire station. And it's into the millions of dollars very quickly. Now, with property values going up as much as they have over the past year, the city will see uh, an increase in tax collections just from that, from property values going up, even as we're holding the millage rate to 5.43 per $1,000 of taxable property values, because your underlying values have gone up, there's more revenue coming into the city. And so uh, for me, I was not willing to vote for any increase when there's already more money coming in um, because property values have gone up. And several of of us talked about this, just cost have gone up everywhere. Inflation, I talked about Lakeland Electric's fuel rates. That's that's a position that we really don't have a, a lot of options. Fuel is a pass-through cost. I will talk about this a little bit more in detail with Catherine. So when we have situations where we don't have any options other than to raise a price on something, I looked at this tax rate and thought right now, even with these new public safety positions, we're still in a strong financial position because of property values going up. I am condensing our our discussion, which spanned, like I said, over about two hours talking about the property tax rate and, and what to do with it. And I think it's good debate. I think it should be robust discussion anytime we're talking about taxes, however large or small the amount is. When we're making a decision on how much our residents will pay in taxes, that deserves a lot of attention and different ideas and thoughts. And so it was it was a good discussion. And, and again, one of the things that I like about our commission is that when we decide something, even if it's not unanimous, and, and in this case it, it wasn't, that there's respect for that decision, that we move on, that we move forward. And so with the budget, uh, it was kind of funny, the, the first hearing being long, several hours and then the second one was maybe 10 minutes if that and because we had talked about so much at the first hearing all we were required to do was to make a motion and approve the millage rate and approve the different uh, they're called appropriations within the budget the different line items and uh, things that the city management team that they have presented to us as hey this is what we're spending in this area to, to approve that the group that came from North Lakeland uh, with an interest in the fire station, it was funny, the meeting ended so quickly. And we did, the mayor did provide an opportunity for public comment. And I don't think any of those residents had planned to speak unless the fire station funding was in jeopardy and it was not. But they, when it ended, you could tell that they weren't sure what had happened. And this is where I think sometimes as a commission, we've got to slow down and, and we try to do this, but there's so much happening at any given meeting. But make sure that people follow and understand what we're doing recognizing that a lot of people come into a budget hearing that maybe they've never been in the commission chambers before. They've never watched a meeting. And it's confusing. It's different and hard to follow. And so I was watching people as we ended the meeting, kind of their facial expressions saying, what just happened? So I went up to several of them and asked, I said, did you all, were you planning to speak? Did you have something you, did you just miss the call for public comment? And one of the ladies said, no, we we just didn't know that it, it had ended and that it happened so quickly. And what about the fire station funding? And I said, that is in the budget. It's included. We did not talk about it. We, we did talk about it at the, the first hearing. 
but we didn't make any changes. No one made any amendments. No one made a motion to lower the millage rate. After you vote on your millage rate at the first public hearing, you cannot raise it. But we could have gone lower, and if someone had made that that motion, nobody did. No one made an amendment, so there was no real last-minute discussion that took up a lot of time. But it was kind of funny that you've got, a, I don't know, 20 residents or so who were saying, what just happened? It may have been. I would be curious to know, was it the shortest budget hearing that the city of Lakeland has ever had? I don't know, but I think it would certainly be up there for, for one of the shortest. So now we're into fiscal year 23. Uh, budgeting is always a challenge, and we will soon be preparing for fiscal year 24's budget. It's hard to believe, but with the number of items and priorities and things that we talk about every year, it, it comes quickly when we have to start planning for those different initiatives, for the funding, and what does that look like. I think budgeting is it's difficult. It always will be. We're dealing with limited resources. There are more requests and great causes that we could fund if we had more resources, and that's always going to be the case. And so the prioritization of those different items and things happening in your city, it will always, I think, lead to a lot of debate and discussion, passion at times, as there should be. Uh, but it is, it, it is an interesting process that is really one of the major responsibilities of the commission, is to approve that budget, to set uh, the tax rate, to decide how those public dollars will be spent. We only have five commission meetings left in 2022, so we have really gone through this year quickly. And as I'm looking at the calendar, we're winding it down toward the end of the year, and then we'll be into 2023 soon. The only other topic I wanted to cover briefly is an update on the road diet. So what's going on with that? It seems like this uh, kind of never-ending test phase as I look at it, but we are coming to a, a point where FDOT, Florida Department of Transportation, will be presenting their findings, their recommendations, their analysis on the test phase, the data, uh, what uh, we are seeing with traffic flows, pedestrian activity, impact on the surrounding neighborhoods, all of the things that are part of this project along South Florida Avenue. That's in December. You will probably see coverage of a report that is coming to the Community Redevelopment Agency Advisory Board, so the CRA. I am the commission's representative to the, the CRA Advisory Board. And because the road diet runs through Dixieland and into downtown, and those are two of our CRA districts, the, the advisory board kind of gets a first look at uh, some of the recommendations. This is, it's being done by a firm uh, called Ayers, and they specialize in urban planning and creating strategic master plans for communities. Back in the spring, I believe, they presented several options. It was before the public workshop at the RP Funding Center, different design options. I believe there were eight of them. It had the potential to be confusing, I think, because people see the test phase and then you, you read and hear about eight different design options. They have narrowed that down to four. I, I think that's where the potential for confusion comes in because you look at it and think, is this a different, completely different deal than what we're testing? And it's not. It, these are actually options, configurations that can be worked into uh, if the road diet is is made permanent, and that is a decision that's coming to the commission later after the workshop, uh, the presentation from the Florida Department of Transportation. And so I just I wanted to provide that update because I think if you see uh, just if you're not following it other than driving down that stretch regularly, whatever you think of it, uh, then 
you hear bits and pieces, and it's hard to keep straight. We've been talking about this for so long, and, and I think as one who works in the communications business, keeping the message straight on this one has been a real challenge and continues to be. And so I, I try to talk to people when they mention uh, with their thoughts on it to me just to bring them up to speed where we are in the process, where this report, these recommendations from heirs, where does that fit into the entire discussion? And DOT's presentation that is coming to the commission in December. And it's all related. We're all working toward kind of this final decision and and then figuring out a timeline for whatever configuration uh, that, that we decide. It is an interesting process and, and one that uh, is certainly no shortage of opinion throughout the city. I think I'll stop here for this episode. I'm excited to sit down with Catherine Lacey from Lakeland Electric for the next one. So definitely come back and and be sure to listen. Again, thank you for the opportunity and privilege to serve as one of your Lakeland City Commissioners. You can always reach me at chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net. I love hearing from residents and friends and constituents throughout the city. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you back again soon.